0: Investing insights with Right Property Group, exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. G'day, everyone. How you going? Phil Tarrant, co-host of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group, joined by Stephen Waters and Victor Kumar, directors, Right Property Group. Gents, how's it going?
1: Gun, all right. <laughs> it's um, John Law's. What was his sign-off? It was you know, "Hello World" or something, or "Goodbye hello, World." Goodbye Yours
2: is, world.
0: is "How's a H- yeah. gun?" How's a gun? How's a gun? Can't uh,
2: get the Westie out of him, mate. Can- <laughs> and,
0: and you spell that O W I S I G O E R N. If you do want, if you do want a bit of a laugh, you should listen to this
1: podcast at half speed, as we've done from maybe we can
0: do it as a Christmas special.
1: All or the, or the outtakes. Well, there yeah, is no yeah, outtakes because we never edit. It's just all one. Yeah.
0: Well, it's the occasional. It's, it's, I reckon out of oh, how many shows we've done now, it's got to be four,
2: four 50, years, almost plus, three and a half years, three, worth. Yeah,
0: three yeah. and a half. I reckon there may have been maybe three or four edits over that many years.
2: Yeah. Inappropriate jokes, that's why. We have yeah, to edit probably. That, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but speaking about your xenophobia against us Westies, Stephen, uh, and I like to reference pop culture WLM. Uh, <laughs> I like reference pop culture. I don't know if you saw it on the interweb, so uh, Shaw. So we're recording in North Sydney here, Shaw School, which is just up the road here. Nice school, fancy school, expensive school, 30-plus thousand bucks a year to go to it. A term. A term. A term. And uh, they did a a year 12 muck-up, and bear with me because it's connected. They did a year 12 muck-up, like, prank, made a video or something or other, and they went around and interviewed, like, kids in year seven and eight and some other kids and stuff, pretty much going – and I don't. It's not good PR for the school, right? But it's pretty much a, where is the crappiest suburb in City? So they'll beat up suburbs. Guess what suburb they said? Or well, there's two suburbs that one in particular.
2: I'm not even going to put my foot in there. <laughs>
0: Lavender Bay, <laughs> Blacktown. Really, Blacktown, because it's full of house-os and drugos. They reckon, but um, geez, it's good to invest in property out there. <laughs> is that what they said? No, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> probably not the best reflection on the school. It's not. And I think uh, there's probably going to get some kids a little bit of slap over the wrist, but that's not what we're talking about here to talk about property investment and people sort of going, you know, these perceived ideas, and it was just as, cause I grew up in Blacktown, as you know, but the perceived idea back then, 20 plus years later, it's still the same. The Western suburbs is scabby and it's crap. Anyway, a fifth of Australia lives in the west and southwest area of Sydney. This is Australia. This is Australia. 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 What's interesting,
1: though, is that in that Blacktown council area, which is quite a large council area, one of the biggest in Australia, Mm. in fact, you can pay as little as $300,000 for a two-bedroom unit, but you can also pay up to- Two mil. Two mil for a normal house. I bet the kids over at that particular school- Mm. Yeah, don't realise that there's actually some property in Blacktown Shire that's more expensive than potentially where they live. And this is,
0: not, this is not a beat up on that school at all. It's largely relevant, But what it is, is a bit of an insight into how people have assumptions around particular areas, how people have perceived bias on particular areas and how because of those biases or those perceptions or just a view on a particular trend, they get it wrong and they miss out mm. on opportunities. And yeah. you know, I wanted to use this as an opportunity, guys, today is to look at you know, we're in a state of flux right now. Yeah. No one knows what's going on, COVID, all this sort of stuff we're talking about at length. But there is so many, in inverted commas, facts out there right now, which people are shaping investment decisions on wrongly. And I want to get into it. You guys are a lot closer to it than I am. And I think let's get smack bang into it. And let's start at the beginning. COVID hits. Some of the major banks in the land, Steve, came out and said, there's a good chance there may be 40% drops in, then in prices. Then it was 30. Then it was 20. Then
1: it was 20. Then it was 10. Then it was 10. And the most recent is five hmm. from, I believe it was Westpac.
0: West Westpac. 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 I've got some numbers here yeah. and I'll run through them in a moment. So, so people over the last six months, let's call this trend number one, have been making investment decisions, investing in property on the fact that prices are going to drop according to a major bank by 40%. Yes, let's buy property.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's actually fascinating and it happens – whenever there is a problem or a crisis and we can't go past the fact that every couple of years there is a crisis of some form. Right now we happen to have COVID before that, it was the Royal Commission before that, it was APRA before that, there was the stock market crash and there was the GFC. We can keep rewinding back forever and unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to really look at it, there is always going to be commentary and opinion based around the result of those crises.
2: Absolutely there is. Yeah. Now
1: there are some that are sitting on the positive side of the fence and there are some that pray for the negative to actually come true for whatever the reason or agenda may be. But we still can't, it's a secure asset class, it's the flight to safety asset class being property. And no matter what happens, and it's a well-worn expression that everybody needs a roof over their head, but it's well-worn because it's true. And so there are certain factors within the market, there are certain levers that have been pulled during each crisis that puts a floor. Mm -hmm. in that perceived tumble, or even if it just finds its own bottom. Even if we go back to the GFC, there were plenty of people making money. Us included. Buying and selling during the GFC. Just because a crisis is there doesn't mean the buyers disappear. doesn't mean that the properties disappear as such. But if we come back to the now and and the crisis that we have now, and there's probably been 1 million articles and 50,000 podcasts around covid and the ramifications of COVID or what could potentially happen, there's a big difference between what we are seeing versus what has been written or talked about, both on the positive and negative. Mm. Some of it's true or slightly true, but I would dare say that the majority is wildly inaccurate. And the reason it's inaccurate is because it's a general opinion as opposed to a focused opinion. 15,000 right. suburbs as opposed to one market.
2: Yeah. And I think when you look at crises, any crisis that happens, one of the first things people do that are in a decision-making process is they look at it from, okay, where can I get the information from? What can I get from the media? Particularly now, you know, the headlines, they start dictating their decision-making process. So when they are unable to make decisions because there isn't a clear enough direction, the safest thing in their mind is to do nothing. So therefore, it can become self-perpetuating where, you know, we say, see, I told you that there will be less buyers in the market. See, I told you that, you know, prices will drop because people feed off each other. I remember uh, a long time ago, I read a book, uh, Richest Man in Babylon. And one of the stories in there was about the um, fish and chips guy and um I don't know whether it was actually in the book or whether it was the rebranding that someone had done. So this guy goes and buys fish and chips and the fish and chips is wrapped in newspaper. And as he's having the fish and chips sitting on the park, he reads there that property markets are going to crash and the economy is going to go down by 50% or whatever it was. So he was a architect. So he went to his person who had commissioned a portrait, cancel that based on that article. The person that had the commission for the portrait had off the back of that, told the jeweler in the village that he was gonna buy some jewels and put the order. in. so he's gone and canceled it. So I did that all around based on this one article. And later on, it was found that the article was probably about three years old, right? So people do make these decisions based on articles, based on what everyone else is saying. This is where, when you're investing, regardless of where the market is, if it's high, low, going sideways, You invest using fundamentals. You invest using fundamentals that are pertinent to you. And coming back to our Blacktown example, you then also need to set aside the opinions and the perceptions of other people, set aside the data fluff and come to the real data and correlate that to what's happening on the ground. So Steve, earlier on, we were talking about how the rental market in our experience, is totally different to what the media is portraying the rental market to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into the rental market because it's one of these key trends that I want to look at. But before we go there, Victor, I just want to just a couple of things. Blacktown, we're using Blacktown as an example because mm-hmm. most people will be in Sydney will be understanding Blacktown. I like to fly the flat for Blacktown by the way. It's a great place to live. We're talking about trends, it's market right? manipulation. He's got a few places there. <laughs> <laughs> and if the mayor of Blacktown wants to come on for a chat, happy to do that. <laughs> I could probably arrange probably that. Give, for you. We'd probably give you guys the keys to the city. Yeah, maybe we could get a parade at the Blacktown float. I remember going to that as a kid. You know, I could cook some sausages on the side. You know, anyway. No slip, <laughs> on, slip on the onions. But, but we're talking about trends, and rental markets is one of those trends that we're going to dig into that, but. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what a trend is, yes. And what are the origins of trends? You know, it sounds like the origins of species, right? But mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can channel your anyway. You probably never read that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, slap. <laughs> do, you, do you see how quick that was? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, without
1: even taking a breath, if you didn't even stop. You
0: just kept for, for the well, I'm trying to have I'm, I'm trying to have an educated um, conversation with Vic and just clearly <laughs> leaving me out, right? around, yeah. I don't know. Victor is is he embraces academia like myself. <laughs> But let's talk about the origin of trends. <laughs> now, is I'm a trend. Sorry, you should have <laughs> seen Steve's face. I mean, yeah.
1: I'm going to go have a, a lay down.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna, let's get some counseling. The origin of trends. Now, is a trend what everyone is talking about because it's been, comes out of someone reads it in the mm-hmm. fish and chip newspaper? Or is a trend actually created by someone who actually has information that tries to start a trend? Or is a trend just an organic sentiment? about where we're heading right now because we're talking about people making investment decisions on what's being perceived to be a trend, a downward trend in prices because one or a number of the big banks came out saying numbers are going to drop. Yep. Is that a trend then or is that predicting a trend? And how do you know whether a, a trend is really – back base. Mm -hmm.
2: So really there are two types of trends, right? One is the fundamental trend. What the area always consistently does and you iron it out over 10, 15, 20 years and say this area has consistently done this, it's likely to do X based on backward facing data. And you're looking at the changes that are happening in the area and saying that here's our baseline momentum in this area and by putting this catalyst in, it's either going to slow it down or move it fast. Then there comes the new age trend, which is your social media trend or your bank prediction trend, which is more of a herd mentality in the sense that let's say, well, I'll use mining towns as an example, right? So when the mining boom happens, the people start buying there and during the initial construction phase, the trend there is that the rents keep climbing rapidly, the prices follow rapidly and everyone's jumping into it because everyone's talking about how great a yield they're getting, how great the equity increase they're getting, that's a transient trend mm. fueled by me talking to you, you talking to someone else and then that creates a ground sell, swell where they're ignoring the fundamentals and the fundamentals there, there's apart from mining there's nothing else. Mining, if it slows down, when it goes from your construction phase into operational phase obviously there'll be less people required in this employment drops and so therefore the prices drop and the yields start dropping rapidly and you start because you've followed the groundswell trend you are now left exposed because you owe more money on the property than what it's worth because you've basically pulled all your money back out and so forth right so that's the trend that's the dangerous trend where you're following the herd we're following what the media is portraying what the major commentators without the years and years and years of knowledge on the ground are commenting and you're basing your decisions on buying or selling or holding on based on what they are saying.
0: So how do you sniff out whether the trend that you're making investment decisions on is a good trend?
2: Look, it still comes back to you need to know the area, Mm. right? You can't predict trend based on desktop data. You need to correlate that to what's actually happening on the ground. I know there are a lot of trendy thoughts right now, if I can use that segue, of people saying that you know you can do stuff based just on data and interpret that, and and it gives you the decision to buy or not to buy. I can tell you many areas that I've had a lot of my contacts put in front of me where all the data points to yes, you should buy in here, but when we go physically in the ground and do the actual due diligence. It's not a buying area, right? It's just a flash in the pan. Mm. Whereas there are other areas where the data clearly says that now it's not going to go anywhere, yet it's going gangbusters. Now, I'll give you an example just post-GFC for this. And Steve, you re- recall this in a suburb called Rosemeadow in New South Wales, where a section of it was Housing Commission. And what Housing Commission was doing there was that for townhouses in a row, they were knocking down the townhouses in the middle, creating yards. And selling that to existing dwellings, to remaining dwellings, to owner-occupiers. So the clause there was that only an owner-occupier could buy it, and only an owner-occupier could sell it to another one, another owner-occupier, in the first 11 years. So in other words, you had to own that property for 11 years before you could even rent it out, right? Now, the data on, uh, on desktop was showing declining population, declining value, yet On the ground truth there was that the area was changing immensely from the demographic point of view. The reason why it was declining was knocking down two houses. So those tenants got displaced. And the reason why the prices were going down was the fact that it had the owner-occupier covenant on it. And therefore the properties were sold at a 20% discount in comparison to a property that didn't have that covenant where you could rent it out. So there's a big mismatch in your data in terms of what was on the desktop and what was actually happening on the ground so you need to correlate the two before you can make buying decisions that mm. in
1: itself there's several trends that were happening in that instance mm. and one of them is and you mentioned it was the declining population because of the way that the households were reduced or the yep. household numbers were reduced and on the, as a top line most people will think that a declining population is a bad thing mm. when in real terms there's Every bit is equal chance for it to be a positive thing for the locality if the population is decreasing. So I, it's not just about identifying the trends, it's also about understanding yep. the trends. And I was, as you were talking just then, and Phil was avidly listening. I and, was, and you were sulking in your corner? I was sulking in my <laughs> corner because I didn't get a chance. But I brought up something that I was in the midst of writing and talking about the different types of investors. I wasn't writing it now, by the way. Like <laughs> it, um, you can multitask as well. No, no, no right. I, I cannot do that. But the different types of investors, which is one of them is the momentum investor, which is the investor that follows trends. They don't necessarily understand the trends, but they're a trend investor. So if they might see a population increase or they might see a price increase, increase over a period of time but it's about the momentum without really a lot of diligence in behind it Mm. as opposed to say the contrarian investor that really goes against the grain. You know if everyone's going this way they'll go that way but the trends that we are seeing at this point in time don't make a lot of sense unless you really get granular and you get down to ground level as opposed to just trying to understand Mm. the data which unfortunately is what the media does is it's just all data driven.
0: And it's a really important point, and um, you know, for trendsetters, you know, who was that, Ronnie Rude or Kevin Wilson? You can trendsetters.
1: Oh, yeah. it's Certainly not you, with looking what you're wearing.
0: <laughs> okay, well, speaking about fashion, then something seen that you're so well dressed, you'll appreciate this analogy. What's in vogue is the basis <laughs> <laughs> of <laughs> the basis of trend setting, right? So oh, yeah, that's in vogue right now. That's in vogue right now, which was at a point in time you used to pick up this magazine and every woman would make their buying decisions on fashion for the season ahead based on what was in vogue. So vogue had a a real huge responsibility. They got it right sometimes. They got it horribly wrong sometimes. To say, if this thing, if this piece of fashion is in this magazine, that means you need to do that right now. What Mm. is the property equivalent, Stephen, fashion forward, of in vogue?
1: Ooh. What is the- What's in
0: Vogue? What is, because this is what we're, we're talking about, setting trends, origin of trends right now. Fashion, Vogue, property. Uh, it comes back to the media though, because that's what's got the voice. And the issue we have today is that, going back to responsibility and accountability, Vogue probably, there was less decisions to be made, hence the reason why it was in one thing. Now we have social media, so everyone sets trends now. So The loudest person that so who, Whoever is the loudest sets a trend, and that's a horribly dangerous thing. Well, we
1: talked about that, I don't know how many podcasts- Ago it was about one of the clear differences between today's crisis and the GFC was largely information is information, mm. yeah. which is around social media. We mm. can argue that till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, everybody today that owns a phone with a camera is a journalist of some way, shape, mm. or form, or they're a reporter, maybe not a journalist, they're a reporter. And we've well, we- got an opinion, correct? Mm.
0: Yeah. Whereas I'm sure journalists, journalists shouldn't have an opinion. We report the facts. Hence the reason why smart product investment is. In Vogue, <laughs> do you know? All well, I can think of when you, you keep like saying
1: that? In Vogue, I like that. Have you seen? The, I don't know if you ever saw those magazines where they have the most weirdest eclectic outfits. Like yeah, they, yeah, were never, yeah. they were never, they were never. You just a, go,
0: who would wear that? Yeah, why is that in Milan right now? I've never seen anyone wearing that. On Correct. There. <laughs> well, there's probably some of that around property as well. Like, why the oh. hell would you buy that in that area, and, mm-hmm. and so on? But everybody- let's challenge Victor. I want Victor to pen a blog post. Using this analogy of Vogue, Vogue. I I think that would be really, really, you'd probably have a lot of fun with it anyway. I don't know if he's ever
2: seen the magazine. Have you ever seen the magazine Vogue? Yes, I have, actually. Okay. Yeah. You know, there were magazines in Fiji, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) We used it to wrap fish and chips, by
1: the way. (laughs) Just man in Babylon. I just read read
0: there's going to be another coup, Steven. (laughs) Me how they started, yeah, that's right? It, no? yeah, yeah. You know? Anyway,
1: <laughs> there's a little bit of truth behind that because many, many moons ago, when I didn't really know what I was doing and I was buying just for the hell of it, mm. uh, this is going back 20 years ago, I bought magazines
2: a piece, or properties. Properties,
1: yeah. <laughs> the magazines when I was at school. But we bought a piece of an island over in Fiji. There was about, 20, that? Yeah. about 20 of us. So we all pulled together and we bought this island off, off some American freehold, yeah, it was one of the. Well, it was back then. I'm not even sure it exists, which is Mm. the point of my story because we all pulled together and we bought this island. I don't know if it was 20 acres off God knows where. I can't even remember the name of it. But Mm. we got the title and everything like that. But then as all good ideas and ventures begin, we all lost interest in a part of the world that was perhaps not as under control as we would like it to be. So Mm. we don't even know if we still got that piece of – Real estate. Real estate surrounded by water going underwater in the midst of a coup. But Vix is our eyes and ears on the ground. He is.
0: He's our man in Fiji. And they're talking about the Bula bubble. So it's, it's going to open up. Trends. He brought us back to it. Yep. <laughs> no, no. But this, this, like, you can go completely wrong on trends, right? And that's how most property investors go wrong because they've used the wrong information to set themselves. Now, well, let's get away from the trends, though. Let's get around to the real reporting, to be
1: fair, and mm-hmm. the numbers and the and the predictions versus what's really happened, because the trends will continue to
0: unroll and they will continue to, I don't know, be argued. Well, let's round out then. So we're chatting about beforehand what the perceived idea around property prices, driven by information that you would come to, you would assume you could trust and respect, right? Major banks in Australia, who all have a vested interest in sustaining property prices. Now, Tim Lawless, uh, head of research called Logic, who you guys know, I had a chat with him recently, and he wrote a piece here, Westpac, uh, well-respected economics team, have released an update on their housing market forecasts, with an expected 5% drop in housing values from peak to trough, revised from early expectations of 10. That's where Westpac was originally. By June next year, Westpac are expecting Melbourne values to be down 12% and only drop 5% drop across Sydney and 2% fall in Brisbane, while Perth is forecast to be flat and Adelaide up 2%. Longer term, Victor, Westpac are forecasting a sustained upswing with national housing values expected to rise, 15% over the following two-year period. Brisbane, 20%. Perth, 18%. Stand out for the highest forecast capital growth at this period. Quite different to the most recent growth cycles where City Melbourne have dominated capital See, gains. now this
1: is – you mentioned – it was a critical phrase in there, general mm. or the national, whichever way they wanted to put it. And even though if we just take the 5% decline or contraction in price, that's a general number. That also means that there's potentially areas that are – Going to go three down times 40. more than that. They might go down there 20%, but there are also areas that will go up in value. Mm. That's how we get to that average. Looking further ahead though, I think it was 21-22 or 22-23 when their predictions were for the prices yeah. to gain it's momentum. Yeah. It's important that we always keep very close to us the reason that we're investing in property, and that is for the long term. So, If you're trying to pick the bottom of a market, that's a very bad and dangerous investment strategy because. Even if we just relate to the Westpac numbers or predictions, they're going to be wildly inaccurate in certain areas. So let's talk about what, in terms of that data, let's talk about what we are seeing on the ground right now. And I can tell you as I stand here today, there are areas that during COVID have increased by 10%. They have. Are you going to tell us where? No, I'm not. Well, <laughs> tell Vic. Vic. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are certain parts of the Sydney Greater Basin mm. that have increased by 10%. Yeah. There are certain parts of Brisbane that have increased, let me say, by 5%. There are certain parts of Perth that have increased by 5 to 8%. Mm. Now, certain parts, not everywhere, because when you get down to a micro level, it does become suburb orientated. Right within down the, to the streets. Within the suburb, it comes down to the street, and within the street, it comes down to the house. A lot of time, so that's from a value point of view. If we talk about from a vacancy point of view, and I did put a post
0: up on our—that was a very good post, by the way. I enjoyed that, and I've been using it, but I—I I don't say Have it's you? mine. I say I always reference you when I do it. I think you assess the 57 zones around rental markets, and the numbers that you presented to me were quite a shock when I read it. It was like, you know, so there is this idea. If you listen to certain areas, that there's four lease signs up. Everywhere and property investors are hemorrhaging money because they can't find tenants. Fact or fiction? Fact in some places and fiction
1: in a lot of others. In most, so yeah. I think once again that it's a general media coverage because mm. they talk about the market as one, and there's not one market. It's it can't be, you can't interpret a market when there's fifteen odd thousand suburbs. It just it doesn't work that way. But to understand the percentages, we first need to understand. What the headline numbers are in terms of vacancy rates, and that's what we're talking about now. And the general rule of thumb is somewhere between two and a half to three percent vacancy rates. What's a
0: vacancy rate for those listeners that might not be familiar? A vacancy
1: with that? rate is how many properties are for rent, as opposed to the total,
0: as a percentage of family the total available. number. Correct. Yep.
1: Okay. So when you have a market of equilibrium, so there's enough supply and enough demand, everyone's happy. It's somewhere between two and a half to three percent vacancy rates. You get down to a two percent vacancy rate, markets are getting tight. And the power, if you will, is starting to shift towards the landlord and they might start to consider increasing their rents. When you get to a vacancy rate of 1%, you have an incredibly tight market where rents are rising and there is not enough supply for the demand. So 3.5% is an oversupplied market. Now there are parts of Melbourne CBD, Brisbane CBD, Sydney CBD, Adelaide CBD and even Perth CBD that have potentially double-digit vacancy rate. So that is blood on the streets.
0: Okay. So, and that would be high-rise, newish sort of apartments. Yeah. yeah. That usually have students in them. Correct.
1: Sort of subpar investment stock, if Mm. you will. But as you go out into the suburbs, actually, I'll come back a step. So the national vacancy rate has decreased again. I think it sits at around about 3.2%. So that's if we want to throw everything into the same basket, Yeah. But remember, we've got double-digit vacancy rates in some of these CBD areas, so to still have a 3.2% vacancy rate, that must mean that there's incredibly low vacancy rate in other areas. Mm. So let's now give some context around that with some truth in some of the suburbs. In some of those areas that have that I mentioned before that have increased in value during COVID, there are vacancy rates that sit below 1%. And That's here's, alarming. Here's an example. A client of ours settled a property... 10 days ago, whatever it was, last Thursday, let's call it last Thursday, he had his first open home for potential tenants on Friday. There was 35 groups of people through it. Saturday was the second open home. There was 27 groups through it, 14 strong applications with two tenants, let's say, bidding against each other on the front lawn to secure the property. In the same area, another client who hasn't even taken ownership of the property yet has got 22 applications to rent the property 22 he doesn't even own the property yet if we go to some parts of Brisbane there are two houses for rent in the entire suburb and if you extrapolate or if you start to expand that out and then put into it units villas townhouses it goes up to eight properties in the entire suburb now that's a suburb within a region and the region is probably sitting at 1% vacancy rates now this is a topic that the general media are not talking about now whether it's because of negligence or they just don't know because they're looking at averages or the general market, it's a dangerous scenario that I believe we're moving towards. If something doesn't happen soon, there will be a accommodation crisis. Yeah.
0: And that's a really important. Hence the reason why we do podcasts like this because yeah, you know, I operate within media. I think media provides a very valuable service to the nation and a big champion of democracy and all that sort of stuff. But you know, the expectation that a general journalist should have that sophistication maybe not. So it's our job to make sure with the platform that we have, that we actually have these conversations. And I like to think, Steve, that the people who are tuning into this are investing in their education. So therefore, they don't have to make those poor investment decisions based on what they might read in the general media. So you need to be accountable and responsible for sourcing this information. And you chat about housing crisis. So you're telling me there's not enough houses for people to live in. In those particular in those areas, areas, clearly, because you can't have a suburb with two, in that example, two houses for rent. So this housing crisis everyone's talking about is not that property's going to tank, Victor, no, it's probably no, the inverse It's of the that. inverse.
2: It's actually the inverse. And when you go back and have a look at any crisis, immediately after the crisis, there is another crisis that develops, which is your housing crisis, in terms of there will be a strong decline in the number of properties that are being rented. And because the yields start increasing, your prices start increasing as well. Sorry, I'm just waving my hand. Pick me, pick me. And this
1: is it. Because if we go back to one of the original subjects today about trends, Mm. that in itself is a trend. And you've hit the nail right on the head. First, we have an accommodation crisis. Go back to the GFC. Let's just use that as the major crisis comparison. Because most of us can remember that. Yeah. Mm. So during the GFC construction, stopped. as it has today, probably the lowest it's been in eight years as we speak today. GFC was no different, yet population still grows. Be it all today, our international borders are closed, but not forever. Because there's no construction, yet the population still grows, and we've already got this extremely tight rental market throughout scattered areas throughout Australia, then inherently the rents will go up. And as the rents go up, that will, from a commercial aspect, also start to increase prices. Because when it's cheaper to own it than it is to rent it, there's an inflection point that's happening there. And we've talked about this. many times. For what? Now, for the last 12 to 18 months, we've been talking about this inflection point. Go back through a lot of the podcasts and blogs. I would suggest that that inflection point is happening 18 months earlier than what I thought it would. Mm. And part of our job as data analysts and even call us demographers to some way, shape or form and, and trying to track human trends. To know where the market is going to shift, i.e., people are moving from the built up suburbs today through to the coastal regions still that are commutable to the CBDs, for us was a pretty obvious trend that was going to happen. We said this
0: very early in the piece. I think, and in fact, I think we even said it in the video when we're almost stuck in Perth. Perth, yeah. Yeah. So is this this happening? So this is one of these, call them trends, or it's a dynamic which we're seeing in play right now Mm -hmm. is that everyone said COVID's happening, people are realizing that. They can have a more distributed workforce, therefore people can work at home more often, therefore people don't need to be wed or tied to the CBDs or your metropolitan areas, right? That's what the discussion is. You guys mentioned it pretty early on in the piece. Are you seeing it? Is it happening? 100% we're seeing it.
1: Like ground truth? Oh, 100%. Take Mm. the, I don't know, the central coast and the south coast of Sydney, just because that's where we are today. There's a massive shift from renters and homeowners that are moving to those areas. In fact, I was speaking to an agent the other day and he has not seen it this busy in 10 years. Now, that is not in the mainstream media. It will be. You watch. Someone will flick the switch mm. yep. and we will go from a market that is perhaps negatively commented on to something that will be the complete reversal. And, yeah, be careful. FOMO is going is to going to so, kick so what, in. So
0: what you're telling me then is that, right, Property Group helped us secure five years ago probably, Port Kembla.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's going to be the place to be. Because that there is essentially beachfront, right? There is nothing between that and what was voted the most beautiful beach. In New South Wales for like three years in a row. Port well, let's look, at, let's look at two of your properties. Let's mm. say Port Kembla. Yeah.
1: Right. Go and plug in that suburb and the suburbs around it and see what's for rent. Mm. I mentioned earlier on that there was two properties for rent in a suburb. That was at a suburb next door to Port Kembler. Yeah. Now go to one of your other properties on the central coast mm. and have a look what's for sale. Plug in that suburb and see how much is for rent. You'll be pleasantly slash rudely Surprised because of the population shift. But here's the catch. Whilst a lot of people are saying that, yeah, the regional areas are going to boom and everybody's interpretation of regional is a little different, different whilst I believe it, we're experiencing it, we've prepared for this for the last, call it 12 to 18 months anyway, and this is before COVID because of trends mm-hmm. in the human nature shift, there will be some areas in the regional sphere that you will see a short-term spike in but a medium-term contraction as well, because whilst we can all work remotely now, and supposedly, there are a few things that we can't replace by working in an office environment, and that Mm. is culture. Mm. And a prediction, if you will, or an assumption, whichever way you want to look at it, is that over the coming years, we will see the shift back towards the office work environment. Be it all, it may not be five days a week full time, but it might be three, two, two, three, whatever it may be. But if you've invested in an area or bought an area in the sub-regional, so sub-sub-regional areas for the lifestyle shift, because you can work remotely and then your employer says, well, we want you back in the office two days a week, and then you've got a choice. It's too far to commute, so what do you do? Do you
0: quit that work? Do you quit that job? And then who's your employer? Try and find regional employment. And so you need to be strategic about this sort of sea slash tree change. So we're talking about two locations. We're talking about quasi-metropolitan. Correct. You're talking about Wollongong, commutable, and we're talking about Central Coast. So In Sydney. Gosford. So In, like that's, a, that's Sydney. You'd have Geelong. each state has yeah, yeah. yeah. You have each Correct. state would have a very mm. similar. Brisbane's a little different because it's mm. traditionally
2: all lifestyle, mm. north, south, and west.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's a complicated decision-making environment.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think you know what's really important is to understand that you just can't look at the current trend and mm. say, okay, that's where I got to be. Right? We need to still look at it from an underlying fundamental. Employment is what drives growth at the end of the day. From employment comes supply and demand, and from supply and demand comes value increase and rent increase. Mm. So we can't ignore that just because the transient trend because of COVID right now is bringing these areas into highlight. Now, there are a lot of other areas people are moving into as well which may not be investment-worthy. Whereas the areas where they have now got this catalyst were always traditionally good investment areas. It's just now that it's got this new mix and it's making the trend go faster upwards and it's also making the liquidity of the area a lot more better not that it was not liquid before. And importantly, it also will then start changing those areas a lot faster demographic-wise as what would have taken 10 years to change may now take four years to change to, to that level in terms of demographics. That's a great point.
1: And that goes back to one of my things I was writing about before about momentum investing because mm-hmm. you can write on the shirt tails of momentum in fundamentally correct metropolitan mm-hmm. and quasi-metropolitan areas. But if you go to sub-regional momentum shifts very quickly, very quickly. Correct, and you might be
0: stuck it's a really interesting point and again it comes back to the information that you digest some of these you know when you go a further out like into more regional areas it's like a, a cut flower in a vase right it's going to look good for quite, quite some long. time mm-hmm. but it's going to die or it's going to go back to its default position mm-hmm. so the dichotomy and this is my projection the dichotomy that both state and federal governments have right now is that they're always trying to inject money into regional and rural communities. That's yep. an objective to try and get a more spread of the economy. Mm-hmm. Try and manufacture jobs out in these regional areas. We've been talking Dubbo and Orange, where you have a lot of state based or federally based businesses like tax offices and all this sort of stuff, right? But governments, state governments have spent the majority of their money over the last 20, 30, 40 years on making it easier to get in and out of CBDs. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's talk about Sydney, the Sydney C B D, Parramatta, Blacktown, Liverpool, et cetera. So these micro-CBDs, that's where all the money is gone. So my view is that the government is going to want to get Australians back into the offices, back into the CBEs. They're the heart and soul of our economies. Absolutely. So how are they going to do this on the basis that they're trying to – you know, it's just – it's a cash flow. 100%. I
1: agree 100%. And I've often said, do you think that the government, whether it be state or federally, have poured trillions of dollars into areas – to not force people to live there, yeah, they will. And although the only maybe a little bit of a different opinion I have on what you just said is that the interpretation of where the office precincts will become. Mm. So you might find that your Parramatta's and you know, in your case the Parramatta's and the Liverpools and the oh, commercial are you precincts, explode those? yeah. So as opposed to coming into Sydney CBD or Melbourne CBD or Brisbane CBD or Perth mm. CBD, I think we might see that change because there's no doubt the technology, without doubt has a massive impact in combination with COVID. It was that catalyst for us to think differently, mm. without doubt. We had an uplift, in. so we had no fall in production, if mm. you ask really any employers. However, it might get to the stage where the production does start to suffer
0: as people become more complacent at home. Also, you know, one of the biggest health challenges in the Western world is loneliness.
2: Absolutely. It's a huge yep. issue,
0: you know, and I think You know, we're employers, so we have people that work within us. We have accountability and responsibility to make sure we create a workplace which people get value out of, as all others. It is a huge problem loneliness, and as the world becomes digitised, it gives people the opportunity to isolate, you know? And in a COVID environment, that's a good thing, but it's not healthy. It's not healthy by any means. Humans should be together. Humans should be together.
1: Exactly. If you're an introvert, you're probably loving it at the moment, but you will get over it. You get over it. I'm a firm believer in what I call the collective. Mm-hmm. And the collective are the people, the immediate people around you, whether they're work colleagues or not. And if you isolate yourself too much, you're left to your own thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the headlines
1: take effect. And exactly, whatever's in front of you, which is… Yeah. Usually social media are of a, the
0: wrong trends that you're gonna start. Yeah.
1: As opposed to being around the right people. You, you know, as people you are know, a sum of who you hang with. Mm. <laughs> it's not too good for you, mate. I know. <laughs> Look at my company, I'm it today.
0: <laughs> but it's We're a good trying point. to pull you up. <laughs> yeah. But we could easily do this over Zoom, but we make a choice that yep. we come together. And the product correct. of this, this hour we get to spend together. Is so much more satisfying. Without doubt. Yeah. and it's Plus, we get free coffee. Plus, you get free coffee. Yeah, yeah. parking. <laughs> <laughs> but- I thought you said F A R K I N G just then. It was with a P. <laughs> 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 it was like, it had a small closed loop, Blacktown twang there, mate. But it sounded like an F.
1: But I look, I, I, and I think if we come back to the trend, as people awake from this COVID hibernation mm. mentally, and unfortunately, there will be some mental issues. As a response. Big, big challenge, we'll, yeah.
2: yeah. Look, the shine will go away from working from home.
1: Correct. People will want to be a part of each other's company, you know, the yeah. collective, as I keep saying. And that will be, as I said months ago, and tried to get it momentum on it, is the new sea change, mm. which hasn't been picked up, but I'll keep trying.
0: Okay, what I want, Victor, from you is a nice, big, fat, juicy headline mm-hmm. around housing crisis, which is the inverse to what everyone else is saying is the housing crisis. Give it to me. Give it to me straight. Right now? Right now.
2: Right now. I say, Ooh, the trend is what you think it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. that was pretty good. It's quite know, it's philosophical. Mm.
0: Yeah. So the housing crisis is there's not going to be enough housing.
2: Yep. That's it. And So, that so when, when, when and
0: migration starts again, when international students come in. So what, right now we're at a moment in time which everyone thinks is going to be the norm moving forward. This mm-hmm. is just a small window.
1: That's true. It's a window of, around, I think, truthfully, six months. Which is
0: a very small time in property. Very, very very small.
2: And the the headline, told you so. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're talking about like housing shortage, right, we were already in a shortage before we Mm. went into COVID and now it's been amplified. So there will be a spike in terms of shortage, in terms of increasing rent, increasing value. Then there'll be incentives to bring more people in, overseas migrants, and also build more properties. So it'll then go up and get to a, in some areas, oversupply situation, Correct. and then there'll be all doom and gloom again. So that's it's your just It's just the
1: cyclical effect of property, but, and I know there's probably some people out there listening saying, yeah, but what about employment and what about immigration? Hmm. Fair points. But even if it stays the way it stays today, that doesn't mean that suddenly all this- new houses appear out of nowhere to provide accommodation, that's not- Miraculously. that's not going to change. But we do need employment and we also need immigration to make the economy wheels spin within, so to speak. But I just think that whilst we say that there are areas of undersupply and we're seeing that in the vacancy rates and our rents starting to climb, conversely, there's also
0: areas of oversupply. Even today. Even today. We probably should get into that, um, but we'll do that in another podcast. I think we've done quite well. There today, guys. Apart from the sledging, I actually feel like I need to speak to a counsellor now. <laughs> it's not sledging;
2: <laughs> it was just
0: counselling. Just counselling. <laughs> T- taken from the pink it, Ralph Lauren shirt. It's like endearment. It's endearment. You know, it's it's uh, it's good. But um, uh, I hope you enjoy that, everyone. Um, please, we love the feedback that's coming in, and. Um, I get a real kick out of it. It's a real privilege of mine to be able to record this with Steve and Victor. So I normally get that feedback secondhand. But if you can leave those reviews, please, on the podcast, wherever you listen to it right now. If anyone wants to get in touch with us, Victor, what's the best way?
2: It's uh, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. And do go and follow our page so that you can get alerted for our Facebook lives. Uh, We do them every second Thursday.
0: And I recommend doing that. They're pretty good. The content, the delivery is so-so, but the content is pretty good. (laughs) It's a bit like this podcast, really, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, It was a good chat. Look forward to um, next month as well. And and if there's any particular topic you'd like us to cover, we can pretty much handle anything. We can, Absolutely. As long as we've got a bit of a notice, we can we can uh, uh, research up on it, uh, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. We're in your hands. Let's just pretend you get to uh, set the agenda for the next uh, podcast and um, uh, we'll make sure whoever comes up with that topic, we give them a bit of airplay as well, so we're happy to do that. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, ensure insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.